BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. And he swings. Hits it high. And deep. And gone. Still going. Special edition of the call-up. We can call it a crossover with Show and Go, another new podcast on our network we've been telling you about. I'm Aram Layton. We've got Taylor Davis and Jack McMullen. Taylor Davis, we've talked about, you know, as as the professional player. We've had him on the podcast, I believe, on the Just Baseball show. I don't know if we've had you on the call-up yet, Taylor. So, first of all, I want to plug again Show and Go with Taylor Davis. You guys having an awesome conversation with D Gordon coming up. You've had Dylan Cison. You've also had really good episodes. Just you two uh, of talking about the life in the minor leagues, your career and everything in between, but we're doing a 2018 redraft. So I'm really excited to get into that because this is going to be a really crazy episode, but first and foremost, how's the new podcast been going Taylor? And uh, I've really enjoyed listening to it. It's been awesome to see the, uh, the audience quickly grow. Yeah, it's awesome, man. I, I've been having a ton of fun. I think uh, I think the the reactions that we're getting are great. Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see how big we can get. I, I really want uh, I really want everybody to to hear the story. I think we've got some cool stuff to talk about. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just I really want uh, I really want my story to get out there. I think it's fun. And Jack, so we we've done the redrafts. Taylor caught wind and said, "Man, I, I need to get in on this." Which get me in is there. Awesome. So we're doing a three way draft here. Like, and this is a really difficult one because you've got a, a combination of prospects and big leaguers and, and varying big leaguers. So this is not only an assessment of, of prospects, it's an assessment of how do you value this really high level prospect versus this pretty good big leaguer. So it's going to be a, a, a whole balancing act. Jack, we, we've got the big boards. You put a lot of names together for this. But how did you feel in your preparation that how did this draft stack up to the other redrafts that we've done already? So after the first round, I was like, this has to be one of the worst first rounds of like the last couple decades. Like this first round 
kind of stunk. We've got guys that are nowhere close to Major League Baseball. We've got guys that have gotten up to the big leagues that are hitting a buck twenty, a buck fifty, um, and then we've got guys that are kind of flaming out as prospects. So when I got to thirty, I was like, oh man, I mean this this might be a dud. This might be a stinker. And I know this is probably the last one that we can go back because. 2017 and before that a lot of these guys were established big leaguers that's more just baseball show content but this is the last one where we have real prospects like a grayson rodriguez or a tristan casas and then all of a sudden i get to pick number 31 like pick number one of the competitive balance round a i'm like oh wait hold on shane mcclanahan went here and then i keep on going and it's like oh yeah stephen kwan went in the fifth round and then alex vesia who's a legit setup guy went in the 17th round hmm. um like there are so many gems later in this draft which totally hedges the suckage of the first round. Yeah, I think I think that like this this draft is is a a testament to how hard one how hard baseball is. Yes, uh, but two like how hard scouts like being a scout is. This is yeah. you know guys guys obviously work their entire lives to pick in the first round. I think me and me and Jack talked about this last week that the first round for so many teams is, is so vital, not for necessarily like uh, just for the name, but like to get that player, you know, you're getting your first choice and the guys at the top of the first round, you don't get that opportunity very often, especially if you plan on being good for a long time, those teams that have done it, you know, the teams that right now, like the, the model is to do that. What four times you get, you get those top five picks four times and we're going to go. So yep. you can't miss those four times. And and if you do, it throws that entire model out of the window. So like you said, and you look at the five teams that are in the top of this top of this draft. Like it's it's interesting. It's and it's interesting where they're at. So Taylor, I mean, real quick before we get into to the mock draft and, and get into everything, right? Like what, what's amazing is in this draft specifically, I should, I should say redraft. It's mostly, like Jack said, a lot of the impact guys weren't in the first round. And I always talk about international free agency of like playing the percentages. We just went through the Reds farm system where uh, their number one prospect far and away and the biggest alien potentially that we've seen in baseball maybe ever was a $65,000 international free agent. We've seen the four, five million dollar international free agents that, you know, don't even sniff double A at some points or even put up good numbers at any point in their professional career. Uh, You were a guy that was drafted four. 49th round right out of high school. And then did you not draft undrafted free agent? Yeah. Like, and you, you know, big league service time, right? Like that's something that like very few guys that like, you had a grand slam, like you, you've been up in parts of several different years, something that, you know, thousands of dudes drafted ahead of you w- will never be able to say, and will never be able to do like how, what well, from your experience, just how much of that is like a microcosm of the entire, uh, just how much of a crap shoot the whole draft process is. Yeah, I mean, it definitely can be, you know, I think one thing that just like sticks out when saying that is just go out and play. Like if you're a kid, go out and play. Like if you're a good base, I I tell, I tell people all the time, if you're a good baseball player, you get found. Don't, don't stress out about going to a power five. Don't stress out about going to a D one, go play. All you can do is be as good as you can, wherever you are. Uh, I had a conversation. I remember having a conversation with, this is really interesting. This is like a deep dive, but like, I remember having a conversation in the clubhouse one year with somebody talking to Ryan Mountcastle and they were talking to him about, this was before he was a big leaguer. And if, if, if you followed Ryan Mountcastle the year before he got to the big leagues, he was the, uh, 
well, actually, he, 19. He was incredible. He was the MVP. He was a he was a uh, international league MVP. And so, whoever was talking to him, I think it was a trainer or something, was trying to get him to do some more lifting or something. And and uh, he was like, "Dude, I did this last year, and I, you know, I did this set last year, and look where look what happened to me." And the guy was like, "Well, you didn't do it in the big leagues." And I looked at him and I said, "Man, he did as good as he could in the place that he was put in, and that's yeah. all that you can do. That's all you can ask for." And I, I think that there gives a lot of hope. And I'll be honest, like the fact that we got rid of a team, I, you know, I probably wouldn't have gotten to the big leagues if if there was one less team when I was coming up. But wow. I love the fact that if you're in a system now, you do have a significantly better chance mm-hmm. of getting to the big leagues. Yeah. It's just the reality. There's less people. So yes. I think that's a cool aspect of this. The other thing I'll say is that I think occasionally – we talk about like the the Latin American guys that sign for less money. You see that so often. You see so many Latin free agents that that get there after signing for ten grand, after signing for twenty grand. I almost question if the tools are more important as an American than they are as a Latin player, because even like a guy like Ethan Salas, and, and you go watch him, it's not just tools. And I think that you see that. Uh, and, and it's like, it's a consist. it seems to be kind of consistent. Um, don't get me wrong. You know, Devers got, I think a bunch of money. I think there's, there's been plenty of guys. Gary Sanchez got a bunch of money. Soto got a bunch of, of money. Guys, say yeah. it again. Soto got a bunch of money. Yeah. I mean, there've been plenty of guys that have gotten a bunch of money that it worked, but I do think that it's interesting in that there's plenty of toolsy Latin American players that get to the big leagues. And you're like, how did that guy get, 10 grand. Uh, the, the pirates, uh, we played with, I saw one last year. Andy uh, Rodriguez. Contreras. I, I want to say he signed for something small. Like he didn't get a million dollars. So Andy Rodriguez was 10 K. I mean, it's, there you it's go. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's unbelievable. So, uh, so I, I think that's an interesting tidbit when we talk about just difference in how we, how we pay guys between America and, and Latin America. This is pretty good here. 2016 international free agent thing that we'll get into this draft. Top prospects by MLB.com in the international signing class in 2016. Number one, Luis Robert. Number two, Kevin Maiton. Number three, Adrian Morahone. Number four, Norhe Ruiz. Whatever. Number seven, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Like, so sometimes you hit, sometimes you don't. And you see it in one and two, Robert, Kevin Maiton. And, and Kevin Maiton, Kevin Maiton, that was fascinating to me. I, I yeah. followed him like that was like at like the peak of my heyday when I was still like when I was like following this still. And man, like I really thought he was I crazy. specifically remember the statement of it's the best Venezuelan prospect since Miguel Cabrera. Hey. <laughs> oh man, Ouch. Um, love love the definitive statements on seventeen and eighteen year olds. So Jack, All right. Jack, hold on, I got Jack, I got one thing for you on Kevin Maiton. Can you give me a connection between Kevin Maiton and us? We have a connection here. Um, I don't know. Kevin Maiton signed with the Atlanta Braves that year. That was the year that the Atlanta Braves got in trouble. That's right. They got dinged for spending over, right? They went over their allotted bonus pool or something? Significantly, and they tried to hide it. The guy, actually, the guy that did it just got reinstated. I believe that was the guy that just yeah, got reinstated. Yeah, he did. Uh, Okay, so now can you give me the connection or are you still missing it? I'm missing it. G1 Bay. Oh, that's right. That's right. Good call. Oh. Who, who, just for the listeners, if you're a Pirates fan, you're a 
South if you're Korean a card fan, collector, that's the thing. Card collector, hop on Jiwon Bay. I I am as big of a fan as Jiwon Bay as, as as anyone you're gonna find as a person. But I I really think in the minor leagues you've seen him do a lot of really good stuff. He can really run. He can really defend. Uh, and he's hit for he's hit for average. Yeah. I believe, and I've told him this. He's a guy to me that when he gets to the big leagues, he's going to figure out how to pull the ball and he's going to hit homers. I really think he's going to be a guy that's got a chance to be like a 2040 guy. Interesting. Wow. Well, All right. for those for those who don't know, again, this is coming from somebody that was literally his teammate last year. So if you enjoy this this conversation right here, that's a little sample, basically, of show and go with Taylor Davis. Go check out that podcast. It's part of the Just Baseball Network. You ready to go into so, this uh, redraft? Yes, I'm on random.org. I just did a list randomizer of our three names, and here's the order. And we'll go snake, right? So okay. three is going to be four. Uh, Aram, you get the first overall pick. Taylor, you get two. I get three. Thanks. So I pick in the middle every time. Sick. In the middle every time. You got the short end of the stick. Welcome to the call-up. I was really hoping I didn't get the third pick. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a headache right there. So I won't waste any time. Number one pick, it's very easy, right? It's it's Shane McClanahan for me, right? The, the previous pick was Casey Mize. And Casey Mize is recovering from Tommy John surgery. He's battled arm, arm issues really since he was drafted. Uh, obviously dominated at Auburn. We, we talked a little bit about it before we recorded uh, the, the splitter guys, especially when that's like your calling card is, is a little risky. And you know, look, it's not to say that Mize is, you know, bust, but I don't think there's any way that he's going in the top 10 of this redraft with all the other names we have. Shane, McCl- Shane McClanahan dealt with a little bit of a shoulder issue last year, but he, when he's healthy, he is one of the best left-handers, if not the best left-handed pitcher in baseball. Um, it's very clear. He came back after that injection and, and looked really good at the end of the year last year, so he should be good to go this year. This guy's special, and it's it's a no-brainer here. Of we might not have even, we might not have seen the best of Shane McClanahan yet, and he's already still, I think, the best player of this group, which is which is saying a lot because there's some pretty good big leaguers that we're going to get to. Absolutely, and I mean. Outside of maybe, maybe Wander Franco, like he's probably the best player on that team, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, that that's saying something. You're the best player on the on the on the Rays in the AL East. That's that's impressive. Absolutely. And number two, which was previously Joey Bart of the Giants, I've always been lower on Joey Bart. I still think he can salvage a big league career with you know his tools, with the raw power uh, and and some defensive tools that he has, but. I don't think you're sticking with Joey Bart here at two. I'm not sticking with Joey Bart. I am. This this may surprise you guys a bit. Maybe. I don't know. I'm going to take a guy that was actually taken pretty high, though. I'm going to go with Jonathan India. I like wow. India at two. And, and and I'll tell you why. He's a second baseman that hits. He he really hits. And I like India. I, I do. I think that even, even with the slight downturn, you got the injury stuff. I, I like him. I'm going to I'm going to plug him in there um, because he's an overachiever at second base uh, for that. Give me Jonathan India and he's done in the big leagues. And third, he does it in a great park. (laughs) Jack, I I love I love it personally. Like, I love both your picks. Shane McClanahan's my favorite guy to watch in Major League Baseball. Like, I've, I've told both of you that. I mean, that guy's awesome. India, you know, he was. He was what plus four thousand win NL Rookie of the Year. The one he won NL Rookie yep. of the Year. Like yep. he had an underwhelming um, minor league climb, 
Although it was relatively quick just because he was an advanced college bat when he went top 10. Um, India went fifth originally to Cincinnati. I like that you go India here because it, the bat is always going to play. Always. And, and just a, just an interesting tidbit on India. I believe the year that he made to the big league, he made to the big leagues in 20. And if people remember, he was a guy. Or, uh, was it, it might not have been 20. Was it 21? 21. 21. 21. But he wasn't invited to big league camp. Something happened and he got invited late. D Gordon got released. That's what there happened. There you go. And he got and he got call up or he'll be on the podcast, but yeah, he D. got he got uh invited late. And I just remember thinking how interesting that was and he banged. He got there and he did exactly what he was supposed to do and he did it. That's and he got true. there and you know, anyway. Only thing for I, me is the defense. And you know, I know it's yeah. not the biggest deal when you're a second baseman, but I think he might be a candidate to move, and 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 it might be better for his his overall value. You look at F four, you look at all these other things, maybe even you know, preventing injuries. Uh, I don't know if they might move him to the left or what that might look like, but uh, I think overall it might be better off for him if he moves off of there. Also, a guy that doesn't really benefit abnormally from Great American Ballpark. So, if, in the theory of drafting him in a neutral site. He actually his splits favor road uh, road numbers, which is pretty interesting. So uh, this is a guy that's not, you know, a, a great American ballpark merchant, as they as the kids like to call any player that they try to invalidate. So pick number three, Jack, was previously Alec Bohm, which is not a bad pick. Right. This guy no. is really, really blossoming uh, both He's on both sides of the ball. Here. But I know Jack's not sticking with Alec Bohm. I'm not sticking with Alec Bohm. I'm going with a guy that's going to hit 300 again, and he's going to play a gold glove caliber corner outfield, and that's Stephen Kwan. Yeah. Kwan absolutely has to be this guy. Kwan originally went, what, in the fifth round, I want to say, 163rd overall. I love Kwan. Like, I mean, these are three of my favorite guys to watch in Major League Baseball right now, and Stephen Kwan may have the highest floor of anybody in this draft because, again, He's 300. He's going to have a K rate right around 10%, maybe lower than 10%. And he's going to play an exceptional defense. This guy's the table setter for, I think, the best team in the AL Central. That's why I go Quan. Is that fair? It's very fair. I, so I had Quan at, at five on the big board. I'm not going to say where I had uh, Jonathan India on the big board, respectfully. <laughs> um, what was it? Was it like 20? It, it might have been 15. It was in the teens. It was wow. in the later teens. Um, but I, I, I hear you. And I also think he's going to bounce back this year, but there's no way I, I couldn't pass on like a Jeremy Pena or somebody else. Right. So, so my only argument would be that, that, that you've seen India go through the sophomore slump. We haven't seen Jeremy Pena in a second year. That is fair. And so, and so that's kind that was part of my thinking. So you're, you're a believer in the sophomore slump. I'm a believer in, I am a believer in, um, uh, the league adjusting the, to you. I think the league adjusts to you, but I'm also a believer in like sample size. Like yeah. I, I want sample size. And so, yes, I do think he struggled, but I don't think the rookie year was a fluke either. And that's coming. Like I, I called a game against him. I, I caught a game against Cincinnati and like, that's, I, I think that's real. Plus, honestly, the fact that he's playing second base helps me there. Like, you're an average offensive player at second base. You're an above average second baseman to begin with. Yeah. Now we move you. Now here's what I'll say. We talked about moving him. I'm moving him to first when Joey Votto leaves, or I'm putting Joey Votto in the DH spot and I'm moving in first, taking the, taking his legs out of it. I just think that there's something to be said. Like you watch all the time 
there are plenty of teams. This is a great, actually, this is a great conversation. There are plenty of teams that, that call up veterans when they have better prospects, when they have guys that are doing better. No, it's true. And, and, you know, playing wise, you've all, we've always said like, why is that? Is it because teams trust the fact that you've been there before? Like, do they think that guys are going to freak out when they, get to the big leagues and I don't think that's the case but I do think it does something to a player and the fact that a guy's been there like Jonathan India carries himself really well that mm-hmm. team trusts him um I, I think there's something to be said about that I I, I totally hear you and you can't you can't deny a player's perspective on stuff like that so you're not going to regret the India pick that's one that's yeah. that's for sure right <laughs> and I'm going to be the prospect guy that's always seeking upside because that's how I'm hardwired uh but you, you know how how difficult it is to to field a, a, a roster that's safe and and can contribute in any way so the the last pick was Nick Madrigal and <laughs> it's perfect for you Jack because I figure you're going to want to keep this pick right yeah, I yeah I'm sticking with it. the pick. I'm sticking with the pick here. Um, no, I mean, I got to go with a guy that, um, you, you know, like there are a couple arms that I'm considering right around this point. One of which I think would be a reach, but I'm totally sold on what he did in his first year as a true starter. Um, but I'm going to go with another guy out West that took a massive step forward in his sophomore year. And that's Logan Gilbert. Uh, Gilbert originally went 14th. Gilbert had a three, two and 185 innings. He gets better than that. I think he's a 200 inning guy this year. I totally agree. I was actually, honestly, I was between India and Gilbert. I I, I really thought about taking Gilbert there because I, I believe in him. I think, I I think that that plays in Seattle. I I, I'm with you there. Cool. He's got the invisible fastball that and the velo got better and better as the year went on. He's got multiple. And, and he doesn't balls. and he doesn't have to be the ace. Yeah. You know, he doesn't have to be the two. That's what I mean. Like, I think like, you know, we're going to he's going to get drafted in this. But like you talk about a guy like Joe Ryan, like the only issue there is I feel like there's occasionally going to be the thought for him that he needs to be the guy. Like right. when you think about Joe Ryan and the, and the stigma that's put on him and the fact that Nelson Cruz got traded for him, like he's going to have that. And and there's once again, I, I do think that there's something to be said, depending on the person. I don't know, Joe, but like depending on the person, you can take that one way or another and that that may hurt him or it may help him. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, all right. I'm going to I'm going to shock the world here. I'm going to shock the world here. Like you didn't with India. Yeah. Like I didn't with India, but I'm going <laughs> to shock it again. Uh, because I've caught the guy and I truly believe he's going to be a number one. Uh, I'm going to take Grayson Rodriguez here. I, okay, I really no, think good. I really think Grayson is a number one on a, on a winning team. He is as as put together like you know. I used to, the first time I met Jason Hayward, I, I called him Create a Hayward. Like when you created a player in 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 uh, you know your video games, you created a six four lefty. With, with good power, a good arm strength, and a really good defensive player. I think that Grayson Hayward, if you created a pitcher on a video game, Grayson, Rodriguez, Grayson Hayward, or Grayson, Grayson Hayward, Grayson, Grayson Rodriguez. Uh, and so, I, you know, for that sake, I, I, and I believe he can be number one. I'm, I'm taking him. 
I, cool. I, I would have taken him if if you didn't. The previous pick was Jonathan India, who's who's off the board, right? The original pick. By me. Um, and and that's a great pick at five. But Grayson Rodriguez, I mean, dude, it's it's and he he lost a little bit of velo, battled a little bit of injuries last year. I think he's gonna be a hundred percent, you know, as we get into this year. But you look at the 2021 numbers, he sat 97 with the fastball, crazy whiff rates on it. He locates it well, right? The changeup is is one of the best in the minor leagues. And before we go on to the next, the next guy, I I want to take advantage the fact that you caught this guy can you talk yeah. a little bit about his arsenal and just how nasty this guy is from the change up to the fastball to i mean it's legitimately four big league pitches here and even a cutter that he mixes in right that could be a fifth big league pitch i mean how special is this guy and how good can he be he, he's he's as special as just about anybody that i've ever caught wow and, I, and i'll tell you this on top of the stuff you know you talk about the four pitches He's a big dude, and on top of the fact that he's a big dude, it looks like he's getting – it looks like he's dropping the ball in the catcher's mitt. Like, the ball is getting thrown, and you have less time to see it. Like, it's just it's just a – it's a scary at-bat. He's a really big guy. The presence on the mound is, is, is impressive. Uh, I would compare the presence on the mound to uh, – this is a big thing, but, like, not necessarily mindset, but, like, just visually, like a Max Scherzer. Like, he's a wow. really big guy. So – and he's getting rid of the ball really close to you. So add really good stuff to that. You got a really good combination. Yeah. yeah. And and we've been big fans of his for a long time. And it feels like he's been the top prospect in baseball forever until maybe someone as freaky as him, Andrew Painter, might be the only guy that could potentially dethrone him or another freak like Yuri Perez. It's just a special time with some of the arms coming up here. So now it's finally me, right, Jack? Is that okay? Is yes. My, yes. My, okay, there we go. It's your turn. Now, great. <laughs> you got to make sure. Pick number six was previously Jared Kelnick by the New York Mets, infamously at this point. But yeah. obviously, we're not we're not sticking with the pick. Maybe a little while ago, we might have. I did a 2018 redraft a couple of years back. I probably took Kelnick somewhere in this range. That's not happening this time. And th- there's a few different ways I could go here. Um, but ultimately, I'm going to go with my guy, Jeremy Pena. Um, I know it's riskier. And and there's there's some other options that I considered. Uh, you know, there's there's some arms that I think are are proven big league starters. There, there's a lot of different options here. But for me, it is so hard to find an elite defensive shortstop that also has any semblance of an ability to hit the baseball hard. Um, and when you have a guy that has plus power and is an elite defensive shortstop and you talk about the intangibles, Taylor, how about what this guy did in the big moments, what this guy did on the. No doubt. No doubt. And, and, and honestly, You talk about somebody that has pressure, the Houston Astros, who are as good as anybody at determining value and going out and finding guys, decided that they didn't want to re-sign one of the best shortstops in baseball to bring this guy in. Yeah, the platinum glove winner and the war leader in Major League Baseball. We're not going to re-sign him because we got Jeremy Pena. And on top of the fact that we got Jeremy Pena, we're not even going to go sign a we're not even going to going to go sign somebody to be a stopgap. We're going to put you in spring training. You're going. You're there. But you know what I'll tell you man, like that's how you give a kid confidence. That's how you get a kid going. That's a team that wants to win that says, "Look, even if he struggles, I'm taking that guy because I'm going to let him ride with the team." We're going to win as a team and you're part of the team. I, 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 you know, I, I considered taking Pena there. Once again, my only issue with Jeremy Pena, cause you can't really have an issue is his sample size. He's done it for one year. There's been plenty of guys that have done it for a year 
you know, uh, the hitting coach in, in Pittsburgh this year, Andy Haynes, had a really interesting uh, conversation with a couple of us. And he just, we were talking about just can, like being able to repeat and do things consecutively. And he just said, like, go look at the amount of players that have been at a really high level for three years in the big leagues. That number is so small. Go find a guy that's done it for four. That number is so much smaller. So the only thing I'll give you there is like, no doubt it's 2018. He's already got a year into the big leagues with a world series. I, you can't go wrong, but sample size, like I said, you will find, we'll find out, right? Like the league is going to, but I also believe that it only takes half a year for the league to adjust. He had a full year. Exactly. So I, I think he did. And, and he had to go up beyond that into the postseason where th- yep. they're legitimately game planning for individuals more, more than ever. So, and, and you're facing the best played. and that's yes. where he was at his yes. best. So, Approach is the one thing, right? I mean, 289 on base, like that's got to improve a little bit. He, he yeah. finished slow and then got hotter as, as the uh, you know postseason started, which I'm interested to see how he parlays that into the start of next year. But really excited about what, what that kid has to offer. And that's a guy that's been one of the, the call up favorites for a while now. Next up, you're you again. Oh, me again. I get the back to. Yeah. So it was Carter Stewart last time by the Atlanta Braves. No, it was Ryan Weathers seven. Oh, sorry. Seven is Ryan Weathers. Excuse me. Seven was previously Ryan Weathers by the San Diego Padres. And what what a roller coaster ride it has been for Ryan Weathers, a guy that got fast tracked to the big leagues, kind of looked okay. He looked pretty good. And we're thinking, oh, this might be the next rotation piece. Really struggles, battles some injuries, then goes to triple A. And gets shelled in AAA. He was one of the worst qualified pitchers in AAA last year. So it, it is a head scratcher right now, you know, to see a guy have some success at the big league level and then not be able to really look like anything close to what we saw at the AAA level after being fast tracked. So obviously not sticking with the with the weather's pick there, though. You know, there's there's still reason to believe in him and and reason to have some hope there. Um there is a couple directions I could go here, and and I have two guys at the top of my big board that I am stressing out about a little bit um, because I could go a few different directions, but I'm going to go with a guy that I think is really starting to put it together. And, and I think is a very, very in- intriguing arm and it's Brady singer. Um, Brady singer is my pick of the Royals. He has defied all odds in that organization. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. You're talking about a, a first rounder defying odds. No, well, a guy I'm, that went to Florida that was a first round pick. So I, I to back up Arm here, he's defying odds because the situation that he's thrusted into, it's not it's not easy to get better as a pitcher in the Royals organization. Name Over the last another, couple of years, it's Royals, not easy. Name me another Royals developed pitcher in the last five years. Can't. No, no, absolutely. That's I, I, defying I, I, odds to me, right? Yes. Like that's, okay. I'm with you. Okay. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not saying he's an underdog story. I'm saying <laughs> this guy is putting in work on the side. He's not listening to anything the Royals are telling him. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that piece that came out in the Athletic. They wouldn't even let their pitchers watch tape by themselves, like it was like 18 and over. You know, like bad videos or like PG 13 movie when you're when you're 12 years old. Like they wouldn't let, according to the Athletic, according to Andy McCullough of the Athletic, they would not let pitchers dive into tape without like supervision of, of their mastermind pitching development. That is fumbled the bag on Daniel Lynch, a really talented arm, fumbled the bag on Chris Bubich, fumbled the bag on a lot of different other guys that have just not. Coar, Lacey. Yeah. Keeps on going. Like it is ridiculous. Somehow Brady Singer circumvents that. 
I think the fastball quality has gotten better. The slider is is phenomenal. And if he can just find some feel for that changeup, I was between Joe Ryan here, but I think Joe or, or Brady Singer's raw talent is just that much better. He's 26. I still think this guy's got a chance to be, you know, a really solid number two type of starter. I think I think he really he really shows out this year. I think he's a guy that is absolutely one of the guys for me that I look to have a have a monumental rise this year. I think pitchers in general, like when they get more comfortable, they you know you set into games, man. You can really it can really get impressive. The one thing I'll say about the video though is that I I don't know I didn't I didn't read the article, but I will tell you that like a lot of teams. Um, have their own have their own like video systems or have their own video databases and a lot of players don't necessarily have access to those so you may have access to those while you're at the field uh, or you may be able to say hey send me something that i want uh but that's not super abnormal that like i can't sit at home and just watch video after video after video fair interesting so um so yeah who was was carter stewart this was Carter was Stewart. Carter Stewart. So Who? Carter Stewart, before before I let you make the pick, Carter Stewart is is in Japan, right? Yeah. And he uh pitching he well. Was, he was drafted a couple times, or at least drafted once, and and there was what was the issue? There was something with with an arm issue that was really impacting his his velocity, spin rate. So he goes to JUCO, doesn't like what what was on the table for him after the JUCO year, and, and takes the opportunity to go pitch in Japan and signs. What was the deal that it, we, we found out it was six, four years. Seven. six, six for seven. seven, six years, seven million dollars, which, hey, that's guaranteed money. That's more than whatever he was being offered signing bonus wise, obviously. So that's what he took advised by Scott Boris. Um, that's not going to be the pick here. So what is the pick? This this one, this one's a little tougher for me. I this is going to go to like me taking the established guy, but the one guy, and I think a lot of people see this guy as a guy that's going to make a, another push this year, but he's not too far away from getting paid. I'm going to take Nico Horner right here. Yes. Um, I'm going to finish my I infield. I was stunned that he, he fell to eight. That's who I was between. Yeah. That's who I was between was Brady Singer and Nico Horner. And I just went with the arm, but I would, you know, Nico to me is a guy one got rushed, right? Like that guy, that guy got super rushed. Like I remember when, when somebody called me cause I got called up in 19 and somebody called me and goes, dude, they're calling Nico up. Like Nico wasn't in triple a with us. It's crazy. Um, but Nico's a guy to me where me and Jack had this conversation about, I think that in the long run, when we look at some, there may be some prospects on this list that end up being better players than Nico Horner. But I think that what Nico Horner has shown that he can do in the big leagues makes him that valuable. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where I go. Okay. You know, I'm going to take the established guy and I, I I don't have a lot to say negative about Nico. I think there's some power he can add. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, he's going to play second, right? Yep. He's going to play yeah. second every day. So, you know, it's going to make it easier. But the other thing that that does is like you're putting a true shortstop at second base and you're talking about it in a situation where you're getting rid of the shifts the athleticism is going to come back. I really believe for baseball fans, it's going to be more fun to watch baseball because yeah, of that. Also yeah. add into the fact that up until, uh, up until this year, you've been adding more sinkers. Sinkers have been coming back. I don't know if that'll happen with no shifting, but if we continue seeing sinkers coming in, we continue seeing this athleticism. I, I don't think I can go wrong there, but I really like Nico Horner right here. 
It's it's the Pena effect, right? It is the Tommy Edmond effect. Nico Horner immediately becomes Tommy Edmond, one of the best second basemen in the game because he is three wins defensively already. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so here's some important data notes. And and honestly, like I, I almost kind of wish I, I took Horner. It was tough because it's like second baseman versus potential number pitcher. two. But yeah. 93% zone contact uh, is, yeah. is elite. And yes, he could add more power, but guess what? The last two parts of seasons combined that he played, which was 92 games, 44 games and 48 games, he had zero home runs. He had 10 last year in 135 games. Like if he's 10 to 15 home runs with all the things that you mentioned with the elite defense, with the ability to steal 20 bags, doesn't ever strike out. It just does all the little things. He's a smart player. You know what you're getting and it's a really, really solid player. But the ceiling isn't isn't that low, right? Like we we're still seeing a twenty five year old guy that you mentioned getting rushed, getting better and better, and in a world of unknowns that it in the world that is baseball, which is basically just unknowns everywhere. Nico Horner is one of the few guys that it's not too unknown. You, you kind of know what you're getting. You know what you're getting. Yeah. Hey, we we can move to ten because I'm sticking with the pick at nine. <laughs> so the pick at nine for those who might not remember. It, He's a pretty good quarterback, Kyler Murray. <laughs> Kyler Murray was not only drafted by Oakland, he signed. So they don't get a pick back. And that's the worst part about it is, is that's it. Like, oh, congratulations. You still own the rights to Kyler Murray. So if Kyler Murray says, screw this football thing, Oakland owns the rights to him because they signed him to the deal. So they yeah, don't get money the back, pick though. back. They got their money back. No, I did. They, I think they got part of it back. I don't think they I would got assume. All of it back. I would assume they got the majority of it back. But even then, I want the pick. It's a number <laughs> nine pick. It sucks. Hey, there are plenty of teams. There are plenty of teams. And this is this is this is a really interesting point to actually. It's great for the call up. I know for a fact that there are teams that value draft picks higher than they value lower level major leaguers mm-hmm. because there are teams that will trade now that you can trade those draft picks. I will trade my 25th guy, 26th guy on my roster to get a draft pick. So you're that not compensation wrong. pick. Yeah. You can, yeah, we just for, saw it happen with waters. Yeah. Drew waters traded. Yeah. For, for a compensation pick, the Marlins, Absolutely. Uh, the Marlins traded their comp B pick. I believe 71st overall was used on Judd Fabian. They use that to, as part of a package, but that was the main piece to go get Cole Solcer and, and Tanner Scott. Awesome. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's I I almost I hope that baseball eventually allows trades of of more picks uh, because it it adds a fun wrinkle to it. So I I, I do, too. Number nine, you're not sticking with with the quarterback, obviously. So who are you going with? I'm not sticking with the quarterback. I'm going to go with an arm. Uh, that's not Joe Ryan. I'm going to go with an arm that had a 2.84 ERA in his second major league season as a part-time starter, part-time bullpen guy gets okay. moved, all of a sudden becomes the 3 in one of the best rotations in all of baseball. Had a 2.8 ERA in 28 starts this past year, under 2 walks per 9. Drew Rasmussen was originally taken in the 6th round. I think Rasmussen is a meteoric arm. I think he's going to have an incredible season. And that front three of Glasnow, McClanahan, and Rasmussen, it's going to be really hard to get through on a weekend in the Bronx. And the funny thing is, like, Glasnow is the three in that conversation to me. And not just because he got hurt. Like, McClanahan is better than he was. I think that, and I'll just say, I've never faced Glasnow. I've faced Rasmussen, and it's real, man. That is a tough at-bat. Yeah. I'm excited, man. I, I think he's due for it for a mega, mega breakout. 
I, what's crazy, I think he's the oldest guy that we're we're going to discuss on this list. He's 27 years old, um, so clearly over the hill. But no, it, that, that's that's the craziest part. Is like the wrong side of 25, 27 year old to some guys that are still prospects. But Rasmussen, another raised success story, and and as as you mentioned, Taylor, like the stuff was always there. Um, yeah. But it seems like it's all kind of come together for him in Tampa, and and he looks like a legit middle of the rotation option for him. Next pick was Travis Swaggerty, a guy that both of you are familiar with. Yep, obviously. Jack's keeping him. Jack's and keeping him. We can just move his 11 here. Because Jack, if Jack doesn't keep him here, he's going to have to talk to him in the locker room. The minute we get off this podcast, if he doesn't keep him at 10, I'm texting Swags. I'm saying, Swags, bro, you're going to have to go talk to Jack, man. Good speed, be- good power, Jack. Uh, I'm going to be such an asshole right now. <laughs> I'm not taking the pick. I'm sorry. Um, don't think about him out of the first round. No, I swaggerty really nice guy. When I interacted him by the, with him by the cage, you know, like that's sweet of you, Jack. Yeah. Thanks man. Um, I mean, you know, it, he's a nice guy, but like he right now, he's not necessarily in that top four or top five outfield or conversation, even with the pirates. Like you could argue that Cal Mitchell has more thump than swaggerty. You could argue the ceiling. I think he's got a higher floor than Cal, but he's got a, he's got a lower ceiling. Yes, 100%. So I, I'm going to go with a, a guy that originally went third here. I got to go with Bohm now because I called him a breakout candidate on the Just Baseball show last week. I think Bohm is due for a power surge after almost finding that middle ground this past year. Like he kind of stunk it up in 21. And then in 22, he had a really rough start. He bounces back. I think this guy can actually tap in to what made him the third overall pick in 18. I, so yeah, I, I I look for him to have have a big year and like, you know, I've always said that like watching guys go through adversity, I think you learn a lot. And man, you're not going to go through much more adversity than what Alec Bohm went through last year, huh. dealing with that statement that he made on the field. So <laughs> he owned uh, it though. I, I'm, which I'm was- with you owned it which was awesome and and the philly faithful rewarded him for that they 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 said hey we've all been there we've all said things we don't mean when we're upset and they rooted for him the rest of the way and i think that really fed in the reason why i do believe alec bum can uh you know and he is the epitome of why we look at 90th percentile exit velocities 105 mile per hour 90th percentile exit velocity that tells you he can hit the ball hard pretty frequently it's can he hit in the air and can he, you know, generate a little bit more carry instead of the ground balls and line drives that, you know, we've, we've come become accustomed to, you obviously don't want to lose who you are as a hitter, but there's obviously more juice in the tank there. And um, it'll be, if he, if he can tap into that with the improvements he's made defensively, be a, a heck of a ball player. Yep. Pick number 11 was previously Grayson Rodriguez. He is long gone. And what a pick that was by the Baltimore Orioles. Obviously you can't stick with the pick here. You would, if you could, who is the selection? I am going to take a guy here that I probably wouldn't normally have taken based on my previous statements, but social media has talked me into this. I'm taking Lars Newbar right here. Yeah, I, yes. I, I, I believe I believe in what everybody's saying about him, but the reality is I do think he's just a good all-around baseball player. I don't think there's anything that stood out to me when I saw him other than the fact that he's a good player and he's getting a good opportunity on a really good team. And I think that one thing I was going to say about Alec Boom, but I think Newpar is going to be an extreme example of this also. You're you're not going to be even the top three hitter on that team. So guys are going to pitch to you. You're going to get pitches to hit. And I think there's something to be said about that. Left-handed bat, 
Pretty good bat to ball skills. I continue to get better. Hits the ball hard. Talking about 90th percentile exit velocities. This guy's got a 106 plus 90th percentile exit velocity. And he can play all three outfield spots. Like, this is a really well-rounded player that I, I am buying the hype. I think it's gotten a little bit. I, I love that you mentioned the social media thing. Like, it's become almost like a a popular trendy take that's become he's almost trendy. overrated now it's it's he's almost overrated now which is a shame no but he was right there like just for transparency i was probably taking him next he was right there on my big board uh, that's right ultimately so i go in the teens with my first and i've killed it with my next yeah no now, now now i like it you went you went like a little bit rogue in the beginning but then backed <laughs> it up with some sound reasoning and then now I'm I'm all in on these other picks. First impressions are everything, though, and Taylor failed the first impression. <laughs> all I gotta say is, one of you two is gonna have Nick Madrigal play in second base, and I'm gonna have Jonathan India. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair. Right. It's gonna it's probably gonna be Jack because he, he I know he's a big a big fan of his. That's, oh yeah, uh, one of the best picks in White Sox history there for. Oh yeah. Um, so number twelve is was Jordan Groshans by the Toronto Blue Jays. He's now with the Marlins organization. He's going to have a chance to compete for some at-bats. Look, this is a great bat-to-ball guy, but no power, as uh, Taylor Davis leaves. The, the <laughs> okay. That's awesome. I came um, back. I came back. I came back. It's okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to stick with the pick here. Groshans, again, good bat-to-ball, but no power, not very fast. I don't think he fits the third-base profile, more of a second baseman. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll get an opportunity to play a little bit with the Marlins. I could go a few different directions here. We've got, like, a pretty established dude available like a Tarek Skubal or a Joe Ryan um, and establishes all relative establishes relative here. Um, but then you got some really exciting prospects like Tristan Casas. I, I think I need to put my money where my mouth is on Tristan Casas and fully roll the dice here because this is a kid that yes, we're, we're talking prospects, uh, but this is somebody that we got a taste. We got a taste of what Tristan Casas at the big league level looks like. And sure. The batting average wasn't great. He commanded his at bats well. He hit. He showed the power. He took Garrett Cole deep. Talk about a kid that is not phased by the big moments. Uh, th- this is a really, really special talent. He's one of my favorite prospects in baseball offensively. Um, I think he's going to be an absolute menace in the AL East for a long time. It's it's bat to ball. It's big power. It's a good approach, um, and he's a good defensive first baseman. I'm going to go with Tristan Casas here with this pick. It's difficult because I I, I hate passing on some of these other exciting players, but um, I'm going to go with the upside here because I think of the remaining names, Casas has the most offensive upside by by a good margin. Yeah, I mean he, he's got 30 homer upside, right? Yeah, like at least you, you got to take a 30, like, get on base upside, at a, hitting 300 upside, yeah. right? Like, and, and he's already there. He's at the big league level. Has he gone through? a legitimate sample of big league ball? No, but he's already there. He's there. And the only thing I'll give you is that my question mark, there's two question marks with Tristan Casas for me. One, I I will never, I used to, but no longer will I underestimate or under uh, value how hard it is to play in those markets. Playing in Boston, playing in New York. Look, you know, I think people make jokes about it all the time on TV. Like, you know, that guy's playing in New York. It's a, that is harder. It is harder to be a, a really talented athlete in those markets. And I don't think there's a lot of them, but I think Boston's one of them. And I think that's one. The other thing that like scares me a hair is like the minor league numbers weren't that good. Yeah. He dealt with some injuries and, you know, he was fast tracked and, you know, had the 2020 layoff. And I agree that the minor league numbers haven't been as good as, as you'd like to see. Um, but this is a kid that I think is built for it too. Uh, he was committed to the University of Miami in eighth grade. I remember we we played him in high school. He's he's younger than me by by several years, and he was a freshman. And 
he he was already like one of the leaders on the American Heritage team, which was loaded with with a bunch of Division One and draft eligible guys. I, I think it all comes together for him this year, and, and he he showed us flashes, you know, from like Team USA and some other spots there too. Uh, he had a home run over 480 feet last year. Like it's just all got to come together for him, and I think this is going to be the year that it happens. Next, the only other I, I oh, will sorry, give you this ahead. one other one other piece because we just talked about this, but like on that Boston team, it's going to be Devers and then him. Right. Like that is so. So like if if you're going to, you know, once again, that's just another area where, hey, like that's going to be tougher because not only are you in Boston, but you're going to be the guy. You're going to be one of the guys. So I I think that adds to the difficulty. Absolutely. Um, Next pick was Connor Scott by the Miami Marlins at 13. Um, I don't envision him going in the first round here, um, but. Scott, you know, toolsy Marlins really liked him because he looked like Kyle Tucker, you know, Tampa guy, plant high school. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't think the power ever really came. Speed didn't really translate as much as as, as a lot you know had hoped. And, and ultimately, Connor Scott, probably not the pick here at 13. I love that that it worked out where Jack got Nick Madrigal. I get Connor Scott. I, I'll I'll put myself right. on record. I did not like the pick the day it happened. I just I just didn't really see it. See, I loved the Madrigal pick. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure you did. Um, so I get to go back to back. Man, that's awesome. So this is this is really hard. Look at me. him buying time right now. <laughs> I know. I'm literally buying time. I'm gonna go with what I think is a guy that has probably as much upside pitching wise now of any of the names we could go with. And I got to go with Tarek Skubal. Um, I love Joe Ryan. I really do. But, you know, it's a lot. There's a lot of dependency on a 90 to 92 mile an hour fastball that has a lot of ride and, and is really, really good in the data and shape department, which, you know, we've seen a lot of pitchers get by with that. But, you know, I, I don't love the secondary stuff enough. To a lot of the underlying data is not that great. Scooble, you know, we got to wait for him to come back from injury. It was a little bit of a delayed thing. And then he finally got, you know, got the surgery that he needed. And 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 we'll see how he comes back. But talk about an electric fastball, a nasty slider. He got better with the command as a lefty as, as it went on, as the season went on and as he got more experience and Scooble could end up being, you know, one of, one of the better left-handers in the game with, with his ceiling. And I think that's too good of a player to pass on at this stage. So I'm going to go with Tarek Scooble at 13. I think my only, my only question mark with Scooble is just that the, you know, we kind of talked about it, but that Detroit system and the, the question mark behind, um, you know, there's so many talented young arms that have gone through there. And in, in recent history, they just, there's hasn't been a ton that have had major success. That's my only question mark there. I, I you're absolutely right though. He's a, he's a big time arm. How yeah. worried are you guys about the injury with Scooble? What was it? <laughs> it's a shoulder, isn't it? I don't think it was shoulder. It was, it was flexor tendon. Then not very. Okay. Flexor just because like for surgery. me, for me, cause here, here's what happens. The flexor, if you heard it again, that leads to TJ. I, I TJ doesn't scare me anymore. The doctors are that good. Uh, you know, guys have shown the ability. We talked to Dylan Cease. Guys have shown the ability to come back and work through that. Tommy John just doesn't scare me like he used to. And so if it's his flexor tendon, if it's something that's going to lead now, if it's something that just continues and continues and continues, yeah, that's that's going to be tough. But yeah. if it's something that leads to something more, 
no, I'm not. I'm not that concerned. I think that's Absolutely. why they bit the bullet. They they stunk last year. He was it was nagging him a little bit, shut and instead down. of taking a month off and or two months off and trying again, like I think they were just said, you know what, let's shut this thing down and let's get right. And I, I, if it was a shoulder, I'm not drafting him. I'll tell you that yeah. I'm not touching him at this point. If it was a shoulder, because he really needs that fastball, especially he's not a guy that's going to get away with some diminished velocity. Um, but uh, yeah, the flex are being right. I think I think he'll be just fine, and uh, it's a really good pitcher. It's similar, but it's almost the exact opposite of of the Lance McCullers situation, right? Where the Astros didn't need McCullers so they could just like shelve him and just let him get 100 percent right with a forearm thing. Exactly. With with the Tigers thing, it's Scooble like we suck anyways. (laughs) Like we're not going to make a playoff push. Just go get right. 100 percent. So that brings us to pick 14. Yeah. Which was Logan Gilbert, who is off the board. That was the Seattle Mariners. Another really, really good pick. Stetson guy. Uh, Stetson yep. is a low-key pipeline for arms. Jacob deGrom, uh, Corey Kluber, to name a few. Mm-hmm. Um, there's There's been some good arms that have come through there. And now Logan Gilbert's going to be another really good success story out of there. Obviously, he's gone. So what are we going with here with the 14th pick? I'm taking your 90-mile-an-hour meatballs. I'm going with Joe Ryan. I, I, You know, Joe Ryan, to me, is a guy that, we talk about sample size. Like I, I trust the sample size. He's, he's got multiple, he's got some time there and the fastball plays. And I believe in a good fastball. I think that's probably the, the, like the final piece for me is like, if it was a really good slider, I wouldn't like it as much as if it was a really good fastball. And it yeah. is a really good fastball. Um, I, I think that he was the centerpiece for a reason. I think the rays were tepid to get rid of him for a reason. And I think that's a guy that's going to that's going to end up having a, a really good major league career. I agree. And, and you know, that this was a floor versus ceiling thing for me between Joe Ryan, Tarek Skubal. And, you know, I think Joe Ryan is we're kind of seeing the floor and the ceiling here. Like, I think this is what he is, which is mid three ZRA guy, um, yep. you know, maybe some and some off years, higher threes. But he's just going to give you quality starts. He's going to he's going to be able to show some flashes where he, he Strikes out eight, nine, ten guys, but for the most part, it's just going to be quality start, quality start, quality start. Tarek Skubal, it's that upside, but the floor is way lower too. So it, it's that tough juggle there. Um, but Here, I, I here's here's an, here's an interesting here's an interesting concept. Also, it, it, it's talked about more with relievers, but we can talk about it because of Joe Ryan and Skubal. Uh, I, I remember hearing that there's a new there was a stat. This was it's not new anymore, but there was a stat that came out that was like the percentage of appearances that a, that a reliever came into the game and didn't give up a run. So basically what they were saying is like, look, when Josh Hader comes into the game, if he gives up one run every time he comes into the game, but pitches really well and has a one at the end of the year, is that as valuable as a guy like a oldest Chapman? I'm, I'm just Dude, wait, he would, hold on. He would have a nine. He would have a you nine. Get, okay. Yeah. No, <laughs> you get what I'm saying though. Like in 60% of his outings, he gives up one run instead of a guy that, Maybe in 10% of his outings, he gives up six runs. Yeah. So the other times, he gives up none. So, like, the guy that goes out there, and every single time he goes out there, he shuts it down unless he's going to get crushed. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, are you willing to take the one loss a month for a guy to go three and one, or would you rather have a guy get you into the seventh every single time he goes out there? It's yeah. an interesting argument. I don't think it you is. can go wrong either way. Yeah. Right. That's really interesting. Um, next pick was Colin by the Texas Rangers. 
And Wynn looked like he was on a fast track to the big leagues. And then he really hit a wall last year. Um, some command issues. We saw him, you know, kind of futzing with his mechanics, started to go exclusively go out of the stretch, like started to really try to find it again. The stuff was a little diminished too. There was some some people were saying there were some reports that he got hit with like a comebacker and that impacted him a little bit. So we'll see how he looks. But he looked like a really high floor pitching prospect and then all of a sudden took a step back, but still young, still has a lot of time, still should be a good pitcher. By the time he gets, you know, to the big leagues, he's, he's still a young guy. So yeah. that's probably not going to be the pick, though, with all the other talent we have. So what is the selection here at 15? Well, it's kind of nice uh, for my egomaniac self that I get to close out episode one and start episode two of this redraft. It's going to be great because we're at 15 right now and we've already taken up, what, an hour's worth of yeah. your guys' time. Um, so at 15, I'm going with a guy with a 400 OBP last year who won a gold glove, finished third in rookie of the year voting. Uh, Brendan Donovan is yep. the utility man from heaven. And uh, I I think he's here to stay, man. Like the absolute floor that you get from Donovan is a high walk rate, gold glove caliber defense at several spots and enough impact to make you think about him. Yeah, I'm all about that. Yeah. Uh, once again, my only argument is sample size, but all these guys like, right. They were drafted in 2018. Like there's so few guys that are the Horners that have the sample size that we can talk about. I think that if you're talking about a guy that you want to plug into any lineup right now, there might not be a better guy other than it, it would probably be Nico or him to plug into any infield right now. Yes. And, and the crazy thing is you can plug him in the outfield too. Let me, let me go yeah. through before we wrap up this episode. Starts by position this past year. 38 starts at second. 31 starts at third. 20 in right. 19 in left. 16 at first. 16 at DH. And seven at shortstop. I mean, you don't you don't see guys moving around the diamond like that anymore, right? I mean, you just you just don't see that. And we were talking about someone that could probably do that. Something similar to that is Juwan Bay, uh, yeah, in yeah. terms of being able to play every single freaking spot with with more thump. My one thing with Brandon Donovan, and I really wanted to take him. My one thing is the power. You know, he likes it. it. He's he's not even going to have as much power as Nico Horner. Uh, but that said, yeah, sample size it's small, but this is a dude that is hit at every single freaking stop through the minor leagues and walks. So you talk about the OBP. Well, he has walked at every stop in the minor leagues. So high, high, high floor. There might not be a higher floor, uh, higher floor guy uh, that is this young in their first two or three seasons, you know, in Major League Baseball right now in terms of what you know you're going to get from him outside of the superstars. So uh, I like that pick there. 26 years old, just turned 26 uh, last yeah. month. So still has. And, and you talk about the lack of thump. He is going to benefit that lineup because they don't need the thump. Exactly. Yeah. They just need him to set the table or, yep. or just, you know, spray one. They day. need him on base. So Arenado can drive him in. <laughs> right. percent. So that'll do it for the, the first half of this draft. We'll, we'll get to part two in the next episode, but I, this is, this is always fun, man. I will run a better point guard in the next one. I promise for some reason, my mind does not wrap. Like it just does not compute the, the snake draft in a three person draft for, so I don't know what's wrong. So I apologize to the listeners. I apologize to you too. I will work on it. I'll get better and, and I'll come back much improved for a part two. No, your mind's in reds land right now. Cause you got to go jump on a reds, uh, reds Q and a, right? I do. I do. So I'll be doing that. Um, go check that out on our YouTube channel at the call up. It'll be recorded and you can go check it out there. Uh, if you're listening on audio, if you're watching on video, subscribe, 
and help us grow the show. We just hit a thousand subscribers on YouTube for the call up in a little over a month. It's pretty freaking awesome. And subscribe to Show and Go with Taylor Davis and Jack McMullen. These two guys do an awesome job on that podcast, bringing on established big leaguers, high end prospects, and having good conversation between the two of them as well. I will force my way onto that pod at some point too, very soon. But all right, guys, we'll reconvene for part two. And I hope you enjoyed this part one. We'll talk prospects with you tomorrow.